Hello. Hi, Hey, thank you so Yay. much for joining me tonight. Thank I, you for I inviting me. Looking amazing. Thank you so much for, I feel like we're having a wave night tonight. I think we're having waves yes, tonight, right? wave. I was like, I have to look a little bit cute for this no, Instagram no, live. No, so I'm no. like, let me just like do a little curl thing. <laughs> My hair is actually usually like straight flat for some reason it's wavy tonight i think it's to match your energy tonight see it's yes. nice to be. we just like I mean, knew somehow we just knew we just knew well we're like what 2500 miles away i know you're all the way in the west coast i, I was know. just there i was just there last month actually i was visiting my family there and oh. i'm here in the east coast here in new york but still we got connected um, that's so funny i was there three weeks ago oh really <laughs> i was in I, new I was there I was there around three or four weeks ago. That's, we missed each other. <laughs> I know. Well, I'll be back soon. And maybe you can visit New York again. Yes, yes, definitely. But anyways, <laughs> again, thank you so much for giving us the time tonight with your presence and your knowledge. Just first introduce yourself to everyone. Yes, thank you so much. Hi, everyone. I'm Veronica. I am a physical therapist. I have a doctor of physical therapy degree. I've been a physical therapist, wow, for like two years now, which which is kind of crazy. I still feel like a baby <laughs> PT. <laughs> but yeah, I've mainly, so straight out of PT school, I spent half of my career in the hospital setting. So I was an acute care physical therapist. I was like in the med surge, telefloors, ICU, emergency department. Sometimes I'd be sent to the postpartum and labor and delivery floors. So that was fun for that first part of my career. And then COVID hit. And it was like really crazy for a while. <laughs> I'm sure you imagine. know. I mean, oh you know, gosh, you're in New York. And then recently I transitioned into something called home health physical therapy. So that's what I'm doing now for the most part. I'm providing physical therapy in the comfort of my patient's home. And then also on the side, I just recently, like last week, started a teaching position I'm a, it's like a small, it's a lab assistant job back at my alma mater where I graduated from mm -hmm. PT school. But I'm really excited because I do want to go into teaching one day. So I think this is like a step in the door. Yeah, so that's me. <laughs> Yay, thank you. Physical therapy. So when I started promoting our live, I actually got a lot of questions. I feel like we've known physical therapy for a while, but I think there's also different types of therapy and also within like the whole physical and physio field. I have <laughs> questions that we will tackle later. Like what's the difference yeah. between a PT and an OT and a rehab medicine and Cairo yeah. and this and that. Yeah, but yeah. can you take us back to the journey it takes to get to where you are now. I know you are doctorate trained and DPT. Is that the same for the rest of the countries in the world? Does everyone oh. go straight into a DPT program? or Because I know PTs here who came like from Asian countries, specifically the Philippines, and I know they graduated with a bachelor's degree there. Yeah, and then now they're taking say. DPT here. Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to say, I do have co-workers that still have their bachelors, and they are from the Philippines, mm -hmm. back in the hospital. So they, I mean, they're licensed. They just had to take the licensing exam mm. here. But yeah, if you do go to school here in the U.S., now across the board, it's basically DPT programs. It was mm. at one point a master's, and then in the last, mm. I believe, 10 years or so, just in the 2000s, mm -hmm. it's changed to DPT programs. But that's a good question. I think around the world, it is a little different. Mm -hmm. I think it may be like 
bachelor's degrees specifically the philippines mm-hmm. is the one i know mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know like other other countries yeah <laughs> yeah how about here though i know it's straight to dpt now but do you graduate because I, i have friends who apply to dpt programs i know it's undergrad first right and yeah. then you apply for the dpt program is that correct yeah so you are required to have a bachelor's degree it can be any degree okay. you just have to have a set amount of prerequisite courses mm. And so that's typically a bio series, a chemistry series, mm-hmm. a physics series, and then a psychology series. And yeah, so I got my bachelor's in kinesiology just because mm-hmm. that particular major had all the prerequisites inside mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. major. But you don't necessarily have to have a kinesiology or mm-hmm. an exercise science major. Just make sure you have some kind of bachelor's degree mm-hmm. and make sure that you get the prerequisite courses. Got um, it. And applying to the DPT programs, you'll obviously, is there a standardized exam with that? Like the GRE or whatnot? Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to research certain DPT cohorts. Some of them mm-hmm. do want the GRE. Mm-hmm. But like when I applied to my particular school, they didn't require it. But I think they do now. So yeah, sometimes they do require the GRE. <laughs> Got it. And how was DPT school like? Well, it's two years or three years? Three years. Three years. Three years. And can you take us through how each year looked like? Oh, yeah. So it was... Probably the the hardest set of schooling that (laughs) I will ever go through because the transition from undergrad to a graduate program is just Mm-hmm. so different mm-hmm. so my first year was definitely a big transition point mm-hmm. where I had to really like they bombard you with a ton of information I remember we had an anatomy series where we had to know really every single Everything. muscle <laughs> as well as identify it both in pictures and in mm-hmm. cadavers we did have cadaver mm-hmm. lab so there's anatomy first year we took physiology course we started getting to know patient care so that's like mm-hmm. hospital skills mm-hmm. that we needed to know and yeah and i think we had our first little clinical rotation it was a small mm-hmm. like two week rotation mm-hmm. where we just like got to observe but yeah that was like my first year And then mm-hmm. second year, it really amps up where you start to learn neuro, you start to learn orthopedics, pediatrics, women's health. So a lot mm-hmm. more specialized once you mm-hmm. get into your second year. And mm-hmm. then your final year, you're not really in school, you're out in your clinical yeah. rotations for the most mm-hmm. part, where you have to get your hands-on training. Yeah. And yeah, those are like three years of like hard yeah. work. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't imagine how busy... those three years are because it's like to condense right like the whole human body and the whole like physio aspect of it and obviously you have you have to know like pharmacology too for sure right like yeah we have um, one little class (laughs) yeah like certain patho as well to know all of these wow and then you have the clinical aspect as well i can't imagine how busy and grueling those have been but here you are with the dpt (laughs) after your name yay yay Where did this stem from? Did you always want to become like, have you always wanted to be, oh, I'm going to be a PT one day? Actually, no, I didn't find out about PT until like college, actually. So yeah, I kind of jumped around, which I really encourage a lot of Mm -hmm. folks to do because Mm -hmm. you just, you never know what you love. Like going Mm -hmm. out of high school, 
you know, because I have Asian parents, they've wanted me to become a physician, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the thing. And I was like, All right, know, I guess that's what I wanted it, yeah. to do. But, you know, after like a little bit of soul searching and reflecting, I realized like, you know, I should really want a career that aligns with me personally mm-hmm. and my values mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how I want to see you know, mm-hmm. 30, 40 years of working yeah. in the field. Yeah. So I thought I wanted to go into psychology. I thought I was going to go into poli-sci. Uh, At one point, I went into athletic training. And mm-hmm. then finally, I was introduced into physical therapy. And I was like, what is this? What is that? Yeah. And then after, you know, doing some shadowing hours, which is required mm-hmm. when you're applying to PT school, that's when it really solidified for me that I, I think I can see myself doing this for 30, 40 years. Yeah. So that's how I ended up being it. To answer your question, no, I definitely didn't think I would be here. And that's okay. <laughs> and that's okay. And see, and you love it, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the best part is as long as you enjoy what you love and you find purpose in it, like you are now. And and this is a question I also ask like all of my guests too is every schooling, especially like I feel like in the health professions, right? It's so long. You have undergrad, then you have the whole postgrad things for you doctorate with three years and didactics and clinicals and all of those things. Was there any regret in pursuing this path or no? No, no regrets. Like, honestly, what's great about PT is that, like, I mean, even in my short two years, Mm -hmm. I've been able Mm -hmm. to jump around Mm -hmm. in different settings. So that's what's cool about PT. If you're, Mm -hmm. like, ever getting bored for some reason Mm -hmm. in one Mm -hmm. different setting, you can Mm -hmm. jump around to another and you will have the skills. So I went from the hospital to, like, home health health. and doing a little bit of teaching and you can do that. And so I'm happy to have kind of that flexibility. If ever, for some reason, you know, I just want to do something Mm -hmm. else. So yeah, no regrets. I find it very fulfilling. And I just, I love being able to help patients move, being able Mm -hmm. to help them walk. And like, Mm -hmm you know, family members, I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm not just helping the patient, but I feel like I'm helping the family unit in general. And that's, that's what really means a lot. Yeah, yeah. And that's something I really want to touch upon is first point is I feel like a lot of people don't know how extensive and specialized physical therapy could be right. Like, I work in the hospital for like cardiac surgery, like recovery unit, which is flooded with PTs, obviously, yeah. like trying to get everyone back up after being in the bed for how many days. But then yeah. when I float to the ICU, there's also PTs there. And then if I go to like a postpartum floor, there's a PT there. If I go to this floor, there's a P- like in the neuro floor, like PTs yeah. are everywhere because it's not just, I think this is a big misconception too. And you could correct me if I'm mistaken, but it's really more than just the musculoskeletal. It's like literally the whole body. And I think a big part of it, that we'll talk about it's like the psychosocial like the amount of restorative work that you do for the patients and for their families it's like it blows my mind it's literally making someone walk again right and can you talk more about that like when you go to work how does it feel entering work and also leaving work knowing that 
wow, I am helping this person regain their life again, right? Right. I mean, that's like an awesome question because I'm so glad you like see the benefits of Mm -hmm. because like, yeah, it's so much more than movement because Mm -hmm. if you think of your everyday life, we're Mm -hmm. literally moving Mm-hmm. every day like mm-hmm. literally from me just using my hands to mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. walking to my car mm-hmm. to walking mm-hmm. to the bathroom and like mm-hmm. these are things that we all I think take for granted and then for yeah. patients it like talking to your psychosocial part mm-hmm. that that really is like so saddening and like losing your independence is really mm-hmm. like a heartbreaking thing Mm -hmm. so yeah there's like a lot of even though I'm a physical therapist sometimes it Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm a therapist like trying to get to the root of like what's going on like Mm -hmm. why don't you feel like you can do it and just really getting to the root of their psyche Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's just you know trying to motivate them trying to see what their goals are and really connecting your treatments to the patient's Mm -hmm. goals but yeah to answer your question yeah there's so much more and Mm -hmm. like we never realize how much we're losing once we lose you know our strength or our balance or our ability you know to just move around in the world like that's a lot of independence that is lost so I'm just so grateful that my job is giving them some ability to get that back fully or if not Maybe I'll get you a walker or maybe mm-hmm. I'll get you a mm-hmm. wheelchair. And like, mm-hmm. it might not be exactly how you were mm-hmm. moving before, but yeah. I'm still going to get you to move somehow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, super f- fulfilling. <laughs> yeah, and I love your point about the whole, we take it for granted. So, and for those watching who don't know, there there is a term, at least in my household, we call ADLs, right? Activities of daily living. And it's, <laughs> and if you think of it, it is daily living. Like when we pick up, the utensils to eat when we open the doorknob or turn on the faucet right Right. these are things that are so ingrained now it's like muscle memory that we don't even think about it anymore but when someone gets an injury right or has a major surgery or has a stroke and has all of this post-op complications like those daily living things are gone and that's where the power of physical therapists come in right it's trying to reclaim that again and it's i can't i can imagine just how of a journey that is for every patient or especially at home health too it's like the most intimate place ever right Mm -hmm. yes and that's why i love home health just because Mm -hmm. it is very intimate and like sometimes sessions involve the family which is really important to me like I want to involve mm-hmm. as many folks as mm-hmm. possible because mm-hmm. once I step out of the home, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that the family members are able to do what I do and yeah. like motivate them. Or I, yeah. you know, I'm just hoping that it continues because, like, literally, I'm in the mm-hmm. home for a, like 30, 40 minutes at a mm-hmm. time. Like, that's mm-hmm. a short amount of time mm-hmm. for me to empower the family. Yeah. And the patients to do their exercises to make sure that they're safe and using their walkers or crutches Mm -hmm. canes what have Mm -hmm. you but yeah I love the intimacy of yeah yeah that's I always say too like to everyone like us healthcare workers our patient is not just the patient with a diagnosis it's Mm -hmm. the whole family right and sometimes that's the harder aspect of the care (laughs) is the family themselves and I know someone who's like a pediatrics PT and 
I feel like a lot of that rests also on the parents, right? Or those at home to, like you said, like to empower the family to continue the things that you are doing once you leave the home. But that being said, though, do you think that there's a bread and butter, um, specifically in home health? Like, is there a day or there's days where it's like, oh, I know for sure this is the type of patient I have, like whether the cause of injury or the diagnosis, why they need you. Is there like a pattern of, oh, this is like the most common reasons why you're seeing someone? Yeah, I mean, I see like really a whole range mm. ranging from like maybe they had a total knee replacement or mm. a hip replacement. For sure, mm-hmm. I'll be seeing that's kind of like a big bread and butter mm. of PTs as well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. lately, I've been seeing a lot of patients that have been discharged post-COVID as well. Mm. And so they need to- yeah, like needing to help with endurance because their mm-hmm, lung mm-hmm. capacity is got really it, got it. affected. So even though we have our bread and butter like area, which is usually strength, weakness, maybe they had a fall. So that's like, mm-hmm, that's typical, mm-hmm. typically when the doctors order some PT. But yeah, lately, mm-hmm. I've really been seeing like a lot of post-COVID just really endurance that is super Mm -hmm. affected maybe they're not even able to Mm -hmm. leave the home anymore and just like a big loss of independence so Mm -hmm. yeah I'm seeing all the common things but I'm also Mm -hmm. seeing like a lot of new things because of the pandemic see I'm telling you this whole pandemic like literally shook the world right (laughs) it's like we're seeing things that we've never seen and like when when I was seeing like long COVID I was like long COVID what's this and then people like can't get up anymore people people like it's so hard for them to breathe even like months later and it's literally like mind-blowing as to the effects of this whole pandemic and how has the pandemic like changed your work aside from these new cases Definitely, it's made it harder. I mean, when I was working in the Mm. hospital, that was like very Mm. difficult when it really hit the peak here in SoCal. It was like, I remember when I was working at my hospital, we were at like 300% capacity. It was like insane. Like patients were lined up in hallways. We converted our gift shop into patient rooms because we were just running out of space but we still needed to keep admitting patients so i i really saw the importance of pt because of Mm -hmm. the need of just just we really needed to discharge Mm -hmm. patients right so like we needed to get a patient a walker so that they can go Mm -hmm. home safely Mm -hmm. so that they didn't Mm -hmm. need to stay in the hospital Mm -hmm. setting Mm -hmm. we really needed to be on our game with that especially going to the icu when patients Mm -hmm. were still on the ventilator or on Mm -hmm. high flow nasal cannula we Mm -hmm. were the ones needing to stand them up and keep their strength up Mm -hmm. so like within the whole range of patients Mm -hmm. in covid we still saw a lot of covid patients and Mm -hmm. saw the need Mm -hmm. for physical therapy like no matter Mm -hmm. what I, I've seen yeah. patients in every stage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And when it comes to equipment, how do you deliberate like, oh, this is the equipment you're going to get? And is there always expiration date to equipment? It's like part of the plan or some people are just meant to be in equipment forever? Um, It, it definitely depends on mm-hmm. the patient. Like obviously mm-hmm. if, um, if like for the time being, the patient is really weak right now and they're not mm-hmm. able to walk with good stability and no loss of balance, then mm-hmm. already in my mind, I'm trying to decide if they need 
Maybe Mm -hmm. they would need a walker or maybe Mm -hmm. they would need crutches. And definitely like I'm trying to see what's most beneficial. Like if they had a stroke and are affected Mm -hmm. on one Mm -hmm. side, they obviously Mm -hmm. can't use one whole side of their body. Mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking of like a hemi Mm -hmm. walker so that, you know, they can mainly use one side. So Mm -hmm. like a lot of the diagnosis and their strength really dictates the kind of equipment that I'm prescribing. And to Mm -hmm. answer your question, if it expires, that's largely based on the patient. Like sometimes if they follow their home exercise program and they get better, well, yeah. Yeah, if their balance gets better, if Mm -hmm. their strength gets better. Sometimes I come to my patients and I'm like, I don't think you need the Mm -hmm. walker anymore. I think you can actually go without it. So it super depends on the patient and how consistent they are with Mm -hmm. like their home exercise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think a big part of PT as well, from what you're saying, is patient education, right? Whether like in the hospital, you teach them what, to do or you demonstrate before they go home or obviously in the home health you do with them what do you think are the factors that affect how effective a patient like takes in these teachings and exercises gotcha. i think it's like twofold one mm-hmm. a lot of it is me making sure that i am accountable to myself and i'm mm-hmm. making sure that i'm adapting mm-hmm. the way i mm-hmm. teach to the way mm-hmm. the patient is able to learn. So like mm-hmm. if they are a Spanish speaking patient, am I making sure that I'm getting printed mm-hmm. exercises mm-hmm. in Spanish? Or mm-hmm. if the patient is more of a visual learner, am mm-hmm. I showing and demonstrating the exercises mm-hmm. first? So on the one hand, I'm really making sure that I know that I'm teaching the way that my patient can best learn. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. like one aspect. Yeah. And the second aspect is definitely making sure, you know, that the patient understands what I'm trying to teach them. Yeah. Trying to get family involved is yeah. really big for me because like yeah. they I kind of see them as me yeah. when I leave the home. When you leave the home, yeah. Yeah, so I really like want to teach as many people as possible yeah. other than the patient. So yeah. I think it's twofold, making sure that I'm making it the best for my patient and making sure mm-hmm. that I'm a good teacher will make them, yeah, I think those are the two factors that'll help my patients keep up with their exercises. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, I feel like this encompasses every healthcare professional is who deals like directly with patients. There's a lot that comes into play when it comes to a patient's story, right? Like, it's literally not just the patient themselves it's the socioeconomic status right it's the demographics how's their access to healthcare? yeah what is it what is their geography right what's around them what's not around them we talk a lot about the family support psychosocial aspect like there's people who don't like asking for help yeah or right and do you have those patients also who doubt themselves like doing an exercise like oh i cannot do that i cannot do that how do you break that barrier and be like no no no, you can yeah i get those patients a lot a lot of times patients you know think that i'm prescribing a really hard exercise to them but really that's not the case Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. the big thing that i have to do as a physical therapist is show Mm -hmm. them that 
they do have the strength and they do have the skills in order to do this particular exercise. So a lot of times I'll show them, hey, you've been able to do your knee extension exercises for like two weeks now. Mm -hmm. I think you have the strength to stand up now. So just knowing that we're going through a process and Mm -hmm. that they're in the right spot. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's all about cheerleading as well. Uh, Just making sure that, you know, What's the worst that can happen if you just try? Like, if you fall, I'm here, I'm guarding you, it's fine. So yeah, a lot of it's also cheerleading. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's why I I love what you said earlier, like, physical therapy, like, you're literally a therapist, like, even (laughs) outside the physical, right? That is true, because, I mean, from what I see as well, it's like, you have to be the cheerleader for your patients, right? It's... It's like, no, you can do it, you can do it. Or if not, like, let's try this other way. Let's try a smaller step or whatnot. Yeah, acting, yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I was so excited to go on this live because I've been really wanting to speak to a physical therapist for a while now here in the live stream because when I started nursing, like, also two years ago, um, huh. and I started my cardiac surgery, step down floor, like, the crux of post-surgery is literally preventing infection hmm. and two, making them get up again and (laughs) literally because the longer they stay in the bed it's like their lungs are not working as they were prior to the surgery and no one wants to use their incentive spirometers and and everyone's just in the bed they don't feel like they want to get up obviously it's painful of course post-surgery even like even outside of cardiac surgery like neuro patients or postpartum for sure right yeah for sure but the cheerleading like really that's so so important and we have the cheerleader the ptc <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, someone saying therapeutic relationship including being a cheerleader is so true yeah definitely i i yes. really really agree with that yeah because and also sometimes obviously family members sometimes do not know what to say or do not know what to do right yeah. and that's why sisters like yourself who are like offering themselves at the education fountain, right? And also yeah. demonstration as well. With all this talk about PT though, um, a lot of the questions that were asked of me to ask you is, <laughs> uh-huh. I think there's a lot of therapists also, and some people it's like, oh, I have this injury in the leg, who do I see? Do I see a physical therapist? Do I see mm-hmm. a rehab doctor? Do yeah. I see an occupational therapist? And there'll be like some who'll be like, oh, just go do acupuncture or or I see a chiropractor. So we've been talking about what a physical therapist does and the whole academia and the training that goes into it. But in essence, relative to these other professions, what is a physical therapist? And how do you differentiate that? Yeah, so a physical therapist is a movement specialist that will help patients regain anything to do with their mobility. So anything to do with the body and movement. Mm -hmm. I know that's like a super Mm -hmm. big range, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. but that can go anywhere from, you know, weakness to pain to neurological issues to just range of motion issues Mm -hmm. and yeah just we encompass a whole range of that and like Mm -hmm. that's like also a whole different range of fields as well Mm -hmm. for many patients there's like a lot of overlap so usually Mm -hmm. when patients are very very weak of course they'll see a physical therapist. But if you think about it as well, me as the physical therapist, I'm usually trying to think of what other professions this patient would need. 
So if, mm-hmm. if a patient is so weak that they can't even get out of bed, then mm-hmm. it's safe to assume that I should be getting an OT referral, mm-hmm. occupational therapy referral, because, mm-hmm. I mean, if they can't even have the strength to get out of bed, I don't think mm-hmm. they'll have the strength to put on pants or, mm-hmm. to, you know, to brush their teeth mm-hmm. or to do anything. So making mm-hmm. sure that I know that that's not my scope. Mm-hmm. I need to get my colleagues who are OTs mm-hmm. to, to come mm-hmm. and help. Mm-hmm. So there's like, mm-hmm. I know there's like a lot of overlap mm-hmm. between PTs and OTs, which is great, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Because yeah. we, like those two professions, we like really, really work together. Yeah. Uh, but to differentiate at least PTs and OTs, we think of like just overall mobility Whereas mm-hmm. occupational therapists, they're really great at tying things into daily activities mm-hmm. or what they call like occupations, mm-hmm. which is things that the patients do every day. But yeah, so like that yeah. would be the big differentiating factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when would a patient need to see, I don't know how connected it is though, to like a physician who's like in pain medicine and rehabilitation. Like, do you, is there usually a referral? between you two either to or fro i mean yeah it's definitely i feel like in the outpatient setting if there's like really pain that's going on that mm-hmm. rehab isn't we're not being as effective then it's mm-hmm. like a good time to send the patient back to like a pain specialist mm-hmm. or back to their primary care so that yeah. they can get some kind of referral for that because you know like we're physical therapists in in that we work on the musculoskeletal mm-hmm. system so pain is within our scope mm-hmm. but definitely if there's something deeper going on yeah it's our yeah. job to refer patients back to their primary care so that they can yeah. find the deeper route. Yeah. For sure. And we've been speaking about pain and injury. And obviously, all of these things lead to byproducts of like, some people get depressed, right? They feel hopeless. Or I remember a patient post-surgery who's in physical therapy during that time in the hospital because he couldn't do basic movements and he says, I feel useless. You know, there's the whole psyche of it and definitely pain as well and injury and how it changes a person's life. How do you separate yourself from that emotionally? Because I feel like that's a big part of the job too, right? Is maintaining composure and being the cheerleader despite knowing how heartbreaking some cases can be, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I I feel like that's definitely something I need to work on because Mm. it's it's hard because like I I wish I can do everything. I wish I can Mm -hmm. provide everything. But there's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's all in every profession, there's always Mm -hmm. a limit to what I can do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can prescribe as much, you know, exercises Mm -hmm. as I Mm -hmm. can. Mm -hmm. Um, I can try to find the best equipment that I can. Mm -hmm. But you know, sometimes a patient's diagnosis is just so debilitating, especially like if it's a neurodiagnosis, mm-hmm. as time goes by, it just gets worse, like dementia mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that. But it's, yeah. it's really tough. I, like I had an eval today where mm-hmm. I had to unfortunately tell the family, like, I think we need to discharge this patient from physical therapy because we hit a wall. Like there's like they're not benefiting anymore from our Mm. services 
And that's Mm -hmm. like really hard because, you know, we came into this profession Mm -hmm. to help. But I think in order to help myself and like so that I won't get burnt out, I have Mm -hmm. to understand that there's only so much I can do. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's Mm -hmm. only, you know, I'm only one professional. I'm only one Mm -hmm. person in a whole team of Mm -hmm. medical professionals and Mm -hmm. I will do the best that I can do. And I have to accept that that's okay if mm-hmm. we're not going to get the most optimal results because we're, yeah. you know, we're not magicians. We're just, yeah. we're literally trying to heal people yeah. with the knowledge yeah. and skills that we have. And sometimes yeah. it's not enough and it's okay to accept that because, yeah. you know, that's life. And yeah. as long as you know you're doing the best that you can and the family and patient knows that you tried mm-hmm. your best. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So don't get burnt out, people. It's okay. Yeah. That, that's a great <laughs> take on that. Because I feel like aside from like physical burnout, like from our jobs, like like the actual tangible labor of work, the emotional aspect of it, oh. I feel like that's a hard part, especially for sure. We've been working for two years now, like like in all of this, like I can, I can only imagine the amount of stories that, Oh, of patients that you've had so far right like right. i can't imagine how heartbreaking some of those are right? right like specific specifically for your patient that you said earlier for the eval you said we've hit a wall we've done all that we can do what would be the next step for that patient then that next step is typically if if we've like kind of hit a wall and mm-hmm and we don't feel like PT is benefiting them anymore, then Mm -hmm. that would typically be the last visit. And we would Mm -hmm. mainly, I provide like the maximum amount of education that I can, Mm -hmm. teaching the family range of motion if the patient can't Mm -hmm. sit up anymore, Mm -hmm. Um, just teaching them basic things that they can do Mm -hmm. every day so that they can at least maintain what the patient is right now instead Mm -hmm. of the patient declining Mm -hmm. we have to be realistic as providers like we can't continue to have ongoing visits if we're not seeing results because unfortunately insurances dictate a lot of our visits so we have to continue to prove that the patient's progressing so it's really tough when they're not when they're not progressing because I have to answer to a home health agency and then insurance, which it kind of sucks. It's the the crappy part of healthcare. I know, I know. And that's why I wanted to ask you as well. How much of your work is paperwork? Oh God, so much, and I hate I it. Know, I know, I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, I you know imagine. too, like yeah, carding and all of those. But I feel like the for some reason, I feel like the paperwork if as a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. it's like so extensive <laughs> um so one of my friends is a physical therapist right like after every eval like it's literally pages of paper for yeah. one patient yeah like you really want to at least i'm thankful that there are some companies now and some like emr systems that are getting better and are a mm-hmm. little more streamlined my home health company right now i'm so grateful we have this emr system that mm-hmm. i've learned to be very efficient and fast and check off all the the things mm-hmm. and you know you learn your efficiencies so that yeah. 
you can still do all the tons of paperwork without having it bombard mm -hmm. you every day. Mm -hmm. So I have like templates that I have so that mm -hmm. I can just like quickly jot down the important information. But yeah, if there's anything I learned about like healthcare is how to be efficient with documentation because mm -hmm. I hate taking paperwork home. It's the worst. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've I learned how imagine. to be Yeah. So big tip imagine. learn how to be efficient with documentation. Like learn learn how to be fast. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. No, I remember I think that was like a few years ago, probably like almost ten years ago where I would see my friend is a physical therapist uh -huh. and it's literally like doing paperwork in the car. And I was like, <gasps> Wow. <laughs> Uh, this is literally work from home right work from the car literally Seriously? Like work after work oh um, my oh my gosh I've i can imagine there. yeah <laughs> but but still i can see how fulfilling the whole field and the whole work is for you like you talked about it right like restoring a patient's literally restoring a patient's life again right mm -hmm. or at least the pursuit of that which is such a powerful Thing. What would be your advice to someone, a student per se, who wants to pursue this field of physical therapy, but is finding out the why to do so? Oh, yeah. So my big tip, if you're interested in this profession is, yeah, like you're saying, like, figure out your why. And like, mm -hmm. I think it always goes back to like, find clinical shadowing hours where you see like, see the actual work being done. Because like, to this day, I still remember some of the first patients that I ever, you know, I ever interacted with as like a student. So mm -hmm. to me, they are my why. It's like always the patient find out and talk to them and see how much you are affecting their lives because that mm -hmm. that's what really tipped it over the edge for me. Mm -hmm. And when I realized like this profession can actually, you know, help someone's pain or help mm -hmm. them like get back to an activity that they thought they would never do again. You know, something mm -hmm. as small as like, I never thought I could babysit my grandchildren uh, again, mm -hmm. or I never thought mm -hmm. I could carry my child ever again. Mm -hmm. Like it's those small moments that you have to hang on to because mm -hmm. the schooling is long, you know, the, the work is long, but yeah. you can hang on to those small, like beautiful moments where mm -hmm. patients are thankful to you and grateful to you that's mm -hmm. how you can just continue pushing forward in like a hard journey <laughs> and i can tell that like you're you're enjoying home health um life right even from like your stories and your posts do you see yourself um doing home health like long-term though or are there other specialties and fields within physical therapy that you want to dabble into one day yeah. I mean, I think like what's great about home health is the flexibility. I think yeah. I'll always be doing home health in mm -hmm. some capacity because yeah. I can have a full caseload or I can just have maybe one or two patients to do after maybe mm -hmm. my full-time job. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think like I've mentioned before, I really would like to um, go back into some kind of teaching okay. uh, yeah. job that would be really cool to me because like back in PT school, yeah, I was like a tutor for like a tutor oh, okay, group yeah. Yeah. and I mm -hmm. really love that. 
And then now as a lab assistant, I really enjoy, I, I don't know, I think just teaching and like interacting with students is really fun to me. And yeah. then just, I feel like I can, I can mold the PT profession, like in a way by, by affecting students. And in a way, if I affect students, I think I can affect future PTs. Yeah, for sure. Patients. Of course. Of um, course. So. For sure, yeah. teaching. <laughs> so we're we're gonna see Professor Veronica. Oh God! Uh, one day, then we're gonna be Prof Veronica, right? Let's hope. <laughs> that's so that's so that's so exciting to think, though. And uh, yeah, and you know, I really love this talk because I mean, obviously, I I, I do have my accounts of PTs from my friends who are PTs, yeah. and also I work with them hand-in-hand hand in the hospital. We literally, like, work hand-in-hand hand to, like, help bring a patient up to walk, uh, right, um, yeah. in the hallway or whatnot. It's great to see, like, the whole light on the field, and it really shows the magnitude and the gravity of how important this field is, because mm-hmm. literally the difference between a patient's hope, right? Like, it gives patients hope. And mm-hmm. it's so amazing for a profession to, like, tangibly do that. And so it's such an honor to have Aww. spoken with you. And oh I, lear- I learned so much. And, <laughs> and I know you had to work earlier, so I didn't want to keep you for too long. But <laughs> thank you so much for being with us. If there's anything else that you want to share to us or tell us as a closing, because I really didn't want to keep you for too long, because I know I know you had to work. Yeah. I, I can imagine all the paper. <laughs> <laughs> You're so sweet. No, I mean, really, like, I, I really love this. I'd be happy to come on again. Like, this is so fun. And thank you so much for having me. I love of talking course. to you. It's so, me too. Like, one day we need to meet, like, I no, no like, longer, like, no longer I know. It's so funny how you were here and I was there yeah. like the same exact time frame. <laughs> that is so funny. But <laughs> I'm going to visit Kelly again soon. So Okay, let me know. We're, I'm going to see you on the West Coast. <laughs> yes. I, I call her Ate, my Ate, Ate Veronica. Hey, Ate. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Please have a good rest of the night. And thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Bye.